so I would like to tell you a story, another story. That's okay, because we like stories. Rabbi Shalom Shadron said over this story, it's a Kabbalah Gemaisa. I think he was at the coastal when this happened. Uh, he was at the coastal, and he sees two big motorbikes, like the Harley Davidson style, you know, the huge, massive, huge ones. And these guys were on the motorbike, leather jackets, the earrings, the whole situation. It was an unbelievable scene, unbelievable. And he's watching the scene. Not only do they get to the into the main area, but they get right in there. They're allowed to go, mumish like by the ramp area. They're allowed straight in. All security allows them in. Obviously, like to either I don't know, famous or very wealthy or whatever people. So everyone's watching the scene. You can imagine, right? And what happens is as follows: they both get off the motorbikes. They both go over to the waiting wall, and one of them takes out a piece of paper, and he starts scribbling something. He shows it to his friend. His friend looks at it, nods in approval. He folds up the piece of paper and he puts it into the wall. They give a kiss to the wall and they're off they go. They're gone. As soon as they came, they're gone. And everyone's like, okay, who's opening up the paper? Right? What's inside that piece of paper? What happened over there? Yeah? So um, someone actually did. I don't know whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing is relevant now. But they did. They opened it up and they, they realized the whole story. These two guys on the motorbikes were two people that played for one of the big teams in Israel. And uh, they had a huge game to get to the finals. And they had to win that game. And they came to the Kaisal, to Daven, and they asked Hashem, couldn't we please win? So Rabshon Shadwan said over the story, and he said, you know what it shows? It's an incredible thing. You know, some people look at it and say, that's how you come to... But it's an incredible thing because they understood the Koyach of Tefillah. They understood what it means to Daven is that is what you need to do to get what you need. If you want to be Matzniach, if you want to get somewhere, the only way is to Tefillah. I want to move on today. We've been discussing the last couple of days the Indian of Koyach of Tefillah. So I want to move on now to a, the same idea, but we're moving on to different topics in the same idea. Could you imagine? You know, imagine if you want to go to Buckingham Palace, or if you want to go into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Am I right? It's the White House, right? I think that's what it is, right? It's not so simple. You, you can't just walk in. You know, I, I, I read a story once of a Rebbe who did an incredible thing. Really incredible exercise. He, I don't know which grade he was teaching. I think it was younger kids. And he pulled out his phone and he called a number and he put it on loudspeaker. And he answered the phone. The White House, can we help you? Uh, yes, I'd like to speak to the president, please. They're like, who's speaking, please? My name is Rabbi Levine, whatever. I'd like to speak to the president. They're like, um, it doesn't work that way. You need to make an appointment. You need to speak to the secretary. You have to have a region. No, I just want to speak to the president. Just give a couple of minutes. I need to speak to him. <laughs> no such thing. You've got to call up the White House and speak to the president. He said, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Put down the phone. He said, my dear Tom Needham, you want to speak to the president of the United States, one of the most powerful men in the world? You can't. I want to speak to him on the phone just for a minute. I want to tell him thank you. I want to ask him something. Nothing. You want to speak to Melech Malchem, Lochem HaKadosh Baruch the creator of the world. You, you want to speak to the, 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 the Rabbani Shalayla. You just have to speak. You don't need appointments. You don't need social security. You don't need secret service. You just go. You walk into a shul or you can just speak from your bed. Or you can speak when you're walking on the street. We have an opportunity that we don't even hop. Just imagine, you want to walk into Buckingham Palace, you want to walk into the White House, you need secret service, you need security checks, you need appointments, a certain way of dressing, a certain way of acting, a whole mahalach, a language, this. You want to talk to a bunch of them? You just talk. It's an unbelievable thing. 
You know, and we should take this moment more seriously when we walk into a shul. Because we're walking into the base of Kim. We're walking into the Mikdash Ma'at. We're walking into a place where the Rabbanish Islam is found all the time. And we just roll in there and just, you know, yeah, put on the phylacteries and we pray a little bit with the Siddha, without the Siddha, talking abyssal, not talking abyssal. What, what are you doing? You have an opportunity to walk into the Rabbanish Islam's house. You're walking into the Melach Malach Amlochim's house and you just roll in there and act however way you want to act. We'll talk about that a different time. But I want to tell you an incredible, incredible chazal, which is such an important idea for the Indian of Tefillah. There's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Yud Chesam What the Gemara tells us like this. Listen carefully to this Gemara. It's an incredible Gemara. Okay, listen to the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. Rav Meir, right? It's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. You're learning Rosh Hashanah, right? Oh. Yud Chesam Aleph. Wait till you get this Gemara. You'll understand it better. You have to Yud Ches? Yud Zayn. Listen to this Gemara. It's, it's unbelievable, okay? The Gemara says B'Shem Rav Meir. That there were two people with the same illness. There were two people on the gallows about to be hung. One person recovered and the other person didn't. One person was saved from being hung and the other person was different. Says the Gemara, what's the difference between the two people? Again, got two people in hospital, two people are ill. Same illness, same severity. One was saved, one got a refor shalema and the other one did not. And the Gemara says, what's the difference? You know what the Gemara answers? One davened and one did not daven. Right? What does that mean? One davened and was answered, says the Gemara, and one davened and was not answered. Asks the Gemara, what does that mean? What do you mean one davened and was answered, one, 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 one davened and was not answered? What's the pshat? So the Gemara says, one davened at Shlema, and one did not davened at Shlema. What does that mean? Rashi. Rashi says, what's the definition? How do you define Tfilah Shlema? Nishaven. How we would say Kavana. No, but so let's just take a step back for a moment and we'll get back into the Gemara. What does this mean? I have two people in hospital who have been told by the doctors they have a terrible, terrible disease, a terrible illness. I don't know if you're going to make it. Do you not think that if they would open up their cell, they would both die with Kavana? Like, I mean, you know, Bishlam asked for Mincha. No. Oh, but people in the hospital who know that their, their, their days, their hours are numbered, they're not going to have Kavana. The Gemara seems to tell us, as explained by Rashi, one was davened and was answered, one davened and was not answered. What's the difference? One davened and Tzvila Shlema. What does a Tzvila Shlema mean? Nishaven, said Rashi. He had Kavana. Well, a guy wouldn't have Kavana? Why would a guy not have Kavana if he's about to die? Or he's begging for his life? That's the question that we're going to ask on this important Gemara. Okay? I, I, I mean, there wouldn't be a more heartfelt, real filler than a guy who was told by the doctors, you've got a few hours to live, you better dove for your life. You pick up a tailor and you beg, you storm the heavens. So what does it mean? What does it mean? One davened for the shlema, he was saved. The other one did not davened for the shlema, he was not saved. They both davened. But what's the pshat? One was answered, one wasn't. And I think this is going to be the key for us. We've been talking about the korech of tfilah, now we're going to talk about how to make it work, lemaisa, how to make tfilah really effective. And the answer... Says Ravelli Lopian Zatzal. Ravelli Lopian explains Pshat in the Gemara. Nishaven in Rashi doesn't mean what we translate it to mean. How do you translate Nishaven? Kavana. How do you translate Kavana in English? Intention? Concentration? Yeah, is that a rough, good? Pretty good at translate. That's what we would say. Which makes no sense because why would a person not have Kavana? Says Ravelli Lopian, it doesn't mean that. You know what Nishaven means? This is the key, Rabbi Sai, to Tefillah. This is the key for Tefillah being answered. Says Ravelopian Pshat in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Yudches Neschaven means 
They believed in their tefillah to be answered. They believed that it would be answered, which means if you have two people in the hospital, two people on the gallows, the doctor walks in and says, I'm terribly sorry, but you have a terrible disease. I don't know if you're going to make it. So a yid picks up a tehillim. A yid picks up a, 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 a siddha. That's what we do. One of them davened with all of his heart, believing that the Rabbani Shalom could change anything. And the Rabbani Shalom could give him refuah Shalom. And the Rabbani Shalom could make it happen. And he believed in it. And if he believed in it, it will happen. The other one, it's a Gemara Rabbi say. The other one did not daven it to finish Lema. Did he daven? Sure he davened. But he davened already picturing the Leviah who's speaking at the Hespedim. So he didn't daven it to finish Lema. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Obviously, there are times that the Rabbi Nishanayim, even if you daven it to finish Lema, will sometimes say the answer is no, which we'll discuss as well. But is Hashem? A lot of people ask that question. I think Dovi asked that question. Why? Sometimes you don't get You, you could daven the best villain and, and, and you don't get it. The answer is you daven the beautiful Tvila, but it's not good for you. And the Rabbanu Shalom understands better than you, and that's the reason why he says no. So what we're saying now, obviously there are exceptions, there are times that even if a person does daven the Tvila sometimes the Rabbanu Shalom will say no, it's not good for you. We know this from, almost from Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to come into Eretz Yisrael, what happens? Pashas Veschanan. What's Pashas Veschanan? Moshe Rabbeinu daven the daven the daven. And what do Rabbanu Shalom say? If you daven one more time, I'm going to have to let you into Eretz Yisrael. Because that's the Koyak of Tvila. So I didn't let him in, because it was bad for Kladisol. If Moshe Rabbeinu would have been in, in the Eretz Yisrael, why was that bad for Kladisol? Because Moshe Rabbeinu would have built the base of Mikdash. And Chazal tell us, the Zoya says it clearly, that if Moshe Rabbeinu would have built the base of Mikdash, it would never have been destroyed. Because anything Moshe Rabbeinu built was never destroyed. If the base of Mikdash had never been destroyed, then the Rabbeinu Shalom would have had to take his, quote-unquote, anger on us, and not on Eitzim Babonim, on stones and and, uh, and wood, which is what he did by the Bishamidosh. He took, the, took his anger out on the Bishamidosh by destroying the Bishamidosh and keeping us alive. But if the Bishamidosh would have been alive and we would have been staying there and not been destroyed, then we would have had to be destroyed by Haman and And that's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to come down to Israel. So Rabbi Shem says, I'm going to have to let you in because you just keep on davening and this is going to go through. Stop! Pasha of that's what we know. That's the Kalech of Twitter, Rabbi Say. says, Lapian. When the Gemara says one daven then he got answered, and one daven he didn't get answered, means because one daven with the, with the, with total total belief that when I am davening now, the Rebbeinu is listening, and anything can change. It's filish lema. That's what it means. That's the definition of that, and that's how important it is for a person to realize that his tefillahs really count. And yes, sometimes the answer is no. And yes, sometimes the Rebbeinu says, "I'm not going to grant your tefillah because it's not good for you right now." Why? We don't understand. We don't understand the Rabbani Shalom's ways. Moshe Rabbeinu asked this question. The Gemara Brachas brings it. That Moshe Rabbeinu asked the most famous question. We discussed it when we discussed Chodos Halavavos right in the beginning. That Moshe Rabbeinu asked the question to Rabbani Shalom. How do you run the world? Why do good people have bad lives? Why is it that the good people have such hard, terrible, tzaddikah lives? What's the pshat? And the Rabbani Shalom says, you will not understand. You will never understand. You'll see the back of me, not the front. Why? Because you only see afterwards. You'll never see before. Bashas myself. We don't understand. It's the tapestry that you turn around and see, you know. All the wires and the threads and different colors going in different directions. It looks like a big mess, right? Turn it around. Wow. Look at that beautiful picture. Now you see it. But originally you didn't see it. So the Yisoyed is that in Akhanami we don't understand how the Rabbani Shem runs the world. But that's not our business on our job. Our job is to realize that the concentration that we have to have in Tefillah is so real that we believe that we ask the Rabbani Shalom Rafa'inu Salachlanu Tekabashayfa Esemach David Parnasa Baruch Aleinu, the Rabbani Shalom can give it to us. Believe. As we said, always talk to the Rabbani Shalom. They asked Rabbi Sol Salanto about 150 years ago. 
that um, when they were doubling a little bit better, so a yid came, a yid came to Rabbi uh, Salant and said, Rebbe, it takes me eight minutes to say the Shemina Esra. How can I possibly concentrate on it? Eight minutes. <laughs> How can I possibly concentrate on every single word of Shemina Esra? In eight minutes, I start thinking about, I've got a doctor's appointment, and what, what do they serve? With, you think they're going to have baguettes today for breakfast? I don't know. What, what about freshly squeezed oranges? Like, I, I'm thinking, that's what I'm thinking about during Shemina Esra over here, right? I've got a business deal. How am I meant to figure it out during eight, you know? So, um, we saw Salant had a beautiful answer. He said, you know, in um, Salant, there's a circus that just came. I want you to go to the circus, and I want you to watch the guy who's, who's going over the tightrope and tell me what happens. It's a weird request from the biggest valley muscle of the generation, but if Rabbi Salanta tells you to do it, so you do it, right? So he went, and he came back from the circus, and he said, Rebbe, I did what you told me, I went to the circus. So he said, tell me, how long did it take for him to go from one end of the, you know, one end of the rope to the other end on this tightrope? He said it took about eight minutes. He said, tell me something, did he slip? No. Did he fall? No. How did he do it? Eight minutes, a long time. How did he do it? He said every second he was concentrating on his next step. He was concentrating. He didn't think of anything else. He put everything. I don't care what's going to be for lunch. I don't care what's going to be supper. There may not be a supper if I fall and I don't concentrate. And therefore, I'm going to concentrate on every single moment and everything it is. So asked Rabbi Salanta, why do you concentrate so much? He said, what do you mean? If he wouldn't concentrate completely on the wire, he would have for sure fallen and he would have died. Ah, a person can concentrate when it means something to you. And that's what we have to realize. That's what we have to realize when tefillah means something to you, when it's absolutely real, we have to realize that we have an opportunity to have an audience with Melech, Malchi, Amlochim, HaKadosh Baruch That's what tefillah is. And we don't have to be during Shachmas, Menchan, Marev. It can be any time during the day and night. Wherever you are, doesn't make a difference. The Rabban Shom wants to hear from you. And Rabbi, so we'll just end with one last Kavaldi Gemaisa. I don't know if any of you are familiar with BMG. Some of you probably are. BMG is Lakewood's. I, I was Zoycha to go and see the yeshiva. It's beautiful, guys. Of Mama Steiger, it's unbelievable. But there's a very, very interesting meaning, which I think they still have today, of the. They, they, uh, they have a very interesting meaning of the Chavusa tumult, the beginning of this month, right? First day of this. Oh, it's a mess. Beginning of this month, for those of you that are not, are not familiar with BMG, Lakewood's wonderful yeshiva, is at the beginning of this month, they have a Chavusa tumult. That means everyone's all over the place finding Chavisas. No one knows what. Would you learn with me? Would you learn with me? Everyone's finding their first set, the second set, the night set of Benas Dorim, Friday, Erev Shabbos, Motor Shabbos, Friday night, Chavrusas. It's unbelievable what goes on over there. You know something? They noticed something incredible. You know what they noticed? They noticed that there was a guy who wasn't the best learner. Wasn't the most chosh of a guy. Wasn't a quick guy. Shvach, a medium guy. Seemed to get the best Chavrusas every single time. It was like, everyone was like, how does this guy get the best Chavrusas every month? It makes no sense. And then someone decided, you know what? On the first day, I'm going to follow him around. There must be a secret. Like maybe he gives them money. Or maybe... what? How does he get the best covers? So they decide they're going to follow him around. And one guy follows him around. And he doesn't see anything abnormal. He sees the guy walk over to one of the best guys in the yeshiva. Would you learn with me? Yeah, sure. Okay. He sees him go to the next guy. Would you learn with me second set? Yeah, sure. He goes like the best guys in the yeshiva. He asks them a question. They say yes. And that's it. He's like, well, he didn't do anything special. How, how's, how does he do this? It's so hard to get chavrusas on people left without chavrusas. The best guy normally goes to the best guy, the medium with the medium, the low with the low. How does this guy, who's a medium guy, get the best? And after they realized, straight after he got all his chavrusas, he went to the payphone and he called his mother. And he said, all right, Ma, you can stop saying to him now, I've got all my chavrusas. The tefillah, the tefillah of his mother is what caused everything. 
Rabbi said, the Koyach of Tefillah is such an incredible thing. We have to believe in it. Be'ez HaShem tomorrow. We shall continue with more.